0: On Thursday, Gary Parrish was here. If you're listening and you're not watching on YouTube, well, first of all, shame on you. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Smash the like button like you're, you know, you know how it goes here. Kyle Boone is with me. And so we did a pod on Thursday. And Gary Parrish and his lovely wife are out uh, away from Memphis right now celebrating New Year's Eve. And I, I, the next morning I called him up. I was like, you know, GP, like... Why don't you just go and celebrate this with the love of your life? You know, you don't need to be worried about getting locked in on FAU, Florida Gulf Coast. I didn't use that game. But I said, you know what? Go ahead. Take it easy. KB can cover. He said, you know what? Orlando sounds good. So we then decided to pivot back to our original plan, Saturday Night Pod. So Kyle Boone is here with me. And after, listen, we had an alligator alley upset. There's some crises developing in the Pacific Northwest, mm. a meaningful showdown in Milwaukee, a bucket full of bad losses across the country, and some leagues are turning the calendar to January some real reason for concern. So we got a lot to get to on Saturday. We were not going to let you wait until Sunday. If you're listening on New Year's Eve, hey, look at that. You got a podcast waiting for you overnight in your phone, ready to go long before you dive into your NYE festivities. Kyle Boone is back on the show. What up? What up? And he's a changed man since he was last on the show. So we are going to get into FAU losing to Dunk City in just a second. But first, KB, it's great to have you back here. When were you last, when were you last on and what has happened since you were last on this podcast?
2: Yeah, it's been a hot minute since, uh, since I've been on the show. Probably a couple months. Um, but yeah, we, uh, a life change in our family. We've, we've actually made a schematic move as a family. We've, we've gone from the zone defense to playing man-to-man. Uh, growing our family from one kid to two kids. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, Matt Norlander. Yeah. I now understand why Jim Beheim never moved off his position of playing strictly zone defense. It is much, much easier. Uh, two kids is like a lot more challenging than one, um, but it's been great. Uh, got an IVF baby success. Uh, he's good. Mama's good. Uh, it's been a, a very joyful holiday season. So yeah, I hope everyone else is is enjoying the holidays as much as we have.
0: Congratulations, buddy! Uh, in a public forum, I've obviously shared <laughs> shared my well wishes with you privately. Uh, What's your name, the little guy? By the way, Brooks Alexander.
2: And actually, maybe the last time I was on the podcast, I, I think I promised the audience if Rory McIlroy won the was it the PGA Championship something like that, yeah, um, that we would name our 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 little boy Rory. That was not the case. He did not win. Uh, so Brooks ended up winning out. So Brooks Alexander Boom ended up
0: being the name. Well, that's tremendous stuff, and congratulations to you and your family. You're now a family of four. Um, you haven't seen anything yet, so uh, cherish these moments and days, as I know you will. Um, it uh, it gets only more chaotic, but also more fun. Um, Santa dropped off a a nerf hoop for my little guys, and we 'd actually never set one up prior to five days ago mm. um, but it was like it's 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 i don 't know a pretty legitimate nerf hoop you know it 's got uh it 's got a metal rim uh and we put it up in our deck. what i 'm getting at here is uh, they're only going to become more active and mm. it's only going to make your house crazier. And so now I didn't even put it in their bedrooms because the shape of their rooms, like they're normal, normal size rooms, I guess, but they, the, the, where the doors are placed didn't make for the best possible angle. However, in our sunken den, the ceiling happens to be, I don't know, 12, 14 feet. So you, so, <laughs> so we put it above the door. And so for the past five days, um, they've been, they've been getting their shots up. I've also been getting my swats in though. Let's be clear on this. Good. Good. I've been getting my swats in with regularity and uh, congratulations to you and your family. Um, but that's coming down, coming down the road in a couple of years here. So
2: mm, can't wait. Can't wait. It's already pretty loud here. So, um, yes. Let's, let's yeah. Here.
0: And yeah, by the way, you're, you're opting in on a podcast on a Saturday night when I know sleep hours are coming at all random times there. So my <laughs> appreciation to you, but even more oh, so yeah. to your beautiful, lovely wife. Let's get into the hoops here. FAU blew up the entire rundown. So sad, we were always going to always we decided earlier on Saturday we were going to do this on Saturday night and plan to do it, you know, in this general hour. And then FAU scooting across the state, going and playing dunk city. Oh my, 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 um, dunk city wins Florida Gulf coast wins this by four 72 to 68. It's one of the, it's one of the five most surprising outcomes of the season. And FAU already has another one in the top five. Kyle Boone, consider this, consider this. Pat Chambers is now the coach at Florida Gulf Coast, former Penn State coach. Um, his team had only won two games against Division I opponents prior to this. beaten FIU, what, five games under five hundred at this point, and Georgia Southern with one win to its name. The other victories, the other victories, Dunk City's coming off an OT win against Florida Memorial, my man. NAIA school. Okay. also beat something called the New College of Florida. That's not it. You know what the other win for this team is? You know what? My board's been acting up here. I got it on my phone. You ready? What's what's the other win for for Florida Gulf Coast? Mm. They lost to a Lord's Prayer. They beat the Lord's Prayer. That's it. FAU was four of 20 in this game from three point range. Had plenty of opportunities down the stretch from beyond the arc. Elijah Martin only had eight points, KB. Um, credit to Dunk City, Zach Anderson. He had some chin music with a couple of big time threes that prevented Dusty May's team from taking the lead. They had tied the game, and then Anderson hit one. And I think it was on the next possession. He hit another one there. The Owls are now six and one in quad one and quad two, but they have got two quad four losses. What are your thoughts on whatever transpired over there on the Gulf coast on Saturday night?
2: Disgusting. I was actually prepared to make my triumphant return to the podcast with, uh, with some owl noises. Maybe a come from behind wind from Florida Atlantic, but no Florida Gulf coast, 17 and a half point underdog gets the win by four points. Um, An ugly, 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 ugly loss for FAU, uh, as Jeff Borzello, of course, from ESPN noted. Second loss uh, for FAU this season to a quad four team, um, which, of course, only team in the top 30 of the net uh, to to qualify for such a such a hideous qualification. Um, And as you noted, Florida Golf Coast a week ago had to uh, to make a buzzer beating three pointer to escape an NAIA team. So Elijah Martin missed 11 of his, of his 14 shot attempts. Uh, FAU went 16 of 27 from the free throw line. They missed 16 of their 23 point attempts and Florida Gulf coast that, that arena was rocking there. Um, It it felt like they were going to hold on. Um, So it was, it was a weird game like Florida Gulf coast kind of jumped on them early uh, Florida Atlantic kind of tried to make a run, but they couldn't get out of their own way. Too many turnovers, too many missed free throws, uh, just an ugly performance. And we've seen some really high highs from this Florida Atlantic team. Um, you, you could look at their their resume. I mean, this is a team that uh, just a week ago beat Arizona in double overtime, um, and they beat you know B- Butler and Texas A&M, some other teams. Uh, pretty good resume, but for Florida Atlantic, a team that's probably not going to have a lot of chances to really bolster its resume. Uh, Norlander. Not great. Not great.
0: It'll have at least three quad one opportunities in league play because both Memphis games probably will be quad ones. But even if not, they're going to be on the road against teams that are a road game top 75 in that. You're a quad one opponent there. So they're going to have at least, at least three, uh, realistically, by the time we get to the end of the American athletic conference tournament, um, it's conceivable that FAU might have uh, as many as six quad ones before we get to the end. But we got to see how that league shakes out there. Um, all neutral sites are top fifty against the net. Uh, think about the game, and then a big picture thing on FAU. You know, Dunk City only went to the line eight times. Went five of eight from the foul line. Uh, FAU took twenty-seven s- trips to the stripe. Now only hit sixteen of those. Fifty-nine percent from from the foul line. That's going to get you. They shot well from the interior. Vlad Golden had some opportunities there. Uh, and I thought that they were going to pull it off. Like they, they had composure. They came back. They came back from what was the biggest deficit in this game? It was 39-26 in the first half. And then yeah. Gulf Coast had it double digits uh, for a while there in the second half. But they, but they roared back. Uh, looked like a great environment there. But, man, what a bizarre, bizarre loss. So FAU right now has wins, good wins against Butler and A&M. They have Virginia check on a neutral. That's not aging well. Not their fault, but just it's not that good. Loyal Chicago. Hasn't been as good as some thought it would be in the preseason. Mm-hmm. The Charleston one is eh, whatever, not going to do much for you. The Bonnies win, we'll see. We'll see what the Bonnies can do in the A-10. And then they've got the Arizona win. See, I think the Arizona, we'll see how this goes for FAU. I'm not going to have one game suddenly like twist my entire perspective on the team, but come on, man. Lose at home to Bryant by nine, and then you just. Toss away this game, your final non con game after the outstanding double OT win over Arizona. Um, uh, the Arizona win might wind up being so valuable that if, like, listen, I see the Alps losing to Bryant in, in FGCU. You can't tell me they're not getting picked off here three or four times in league play. Mm. You know, if they're not going, they're going to have to tap into the team they were a season ago to avoid that from happening, KB. And if they don't, the Arizona win might actually carry so much value that it keeps them in the tournament. Like if 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 FAU really messes around and takes on four or five losses in league play, then we're going to have to have an interesting conversation. But we're not there yet. They're going to open up league play at home against East Carolina. Then they've got at Charlotte, at Tulane, a couple of home games. We'll see how it all pans out. But oh boy, what a uh, what a downer! And uh, this is just days removed from me proclaiming FAU was, was the team of 2023. I gave them a finalized record thinking that they were going to win against Florida Gulf Coast. That's how a road game can trip you up there. Any other thoughts on, the, on FAU or the game?
2: No, no. I, th- I think that, uh, that pretty much sums it up. You look at Ken Palm's page, actually. Uh, they are projected to win all but one of their remaining regular season games that Lone Loss projected February 25th. That is on the road at Memphis. I would imagine this team stumbles up multiple times on the road. The American Athletic Conference this year looks pretty wide open, um, and honestly, like not very impressive. Uh, but still, just the way that Florida Atlantic has been just a total roller coaster so far this season. Um, yeah, like I hope we expect that we. I hope we could see more of this team playing like it did against Arizona. But um, yeah, the 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 more we see from this team, I, I think more we see that. Uh, they're going to be kind of inconsistent, and that is uh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer yeah. for uh, for the for the Owls.
0: Yeah, there's some chatter in the chat right now about FAU's long-term tournament chances. I think they're going to get in, but I listen. If if they make it interesting, quad four losses are anvils. One is, two is, an, is another thing altogether. I don't want to say these things offset each other, but maybe if, as far as the committee is concerned, maybe it will once we get to March. The win over Arizona on a neutral provided that Arizona wins the Pac-12 going away, a Pac-12 that we'll get to later on the show, by the way. It's going to be pretty, pretty intriguing. Uh, plenty more to get to, um, including what San Diego State was able to do on Friday night. And we had a big one on CBS go down on Saturday afternoon in Milwaukee. We are going to get to that one next and talk about what Marquette was able to do
1: as it came back from Creighton. But first, Nada, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: So, the best game on Saturday uh, was the one between two ranked teams. Creighton traveling up to play against Marquette in Milwaukee. And I tell you what, MU got off to a skittish start here. Um, it, it saved its bacon in the second half, uh, had 44 second half points, only put a 28 on the board in the first half. Did Marquette did shock his team? Uh, shot six of 11 for three point range in the, in the second 20 after missing, I think it was 17 three pointers in the first 20 minutes uh, credit to the defense. And Marquette was able to get 24 points off turnovers. Uh, they had 18 second chance points. Uh, Oso Iguodaro, uh He came up big on, on the boards here. He had a, a, a season high 16 rebounds and he came up big, but Sean Jones is the guy. I mean, Sean Jones had a career high 15 points. He had three triples. Uh, he matched Tyler Colic, who also at 15. Stevie Mitchell returned to the starting lineup, which was important as well. Um, thoughts, Mr. Boone on what Marquette was able to do. At home, and also by the way, given Creighton its first 0 2 start in the Big East since the 2014 15 season.
2: Yeah, Marquette's defense looked terrific in this game, and I thought they were more aggressive when it really mattered. They had 18 offensive rebounds. Um, Sean Jones, as you mentioned, career high, 15 points in the win. Cam Jones uh, just went 2 of 9 from 3, 5 of 14 shooting overall. That's uh, as Shaka Smart said after the game. That is Marquette's best shooter and to survive uh, a, a win against a really good Creighton team uh, with your best shooter um, really struggling on the day um, credit to Marquette. I mean, the way that they played, they were, they were very aggressive. They were f- very physical. Um, I thought Creighton looked a little bit soft, uh, was, was kind of surprised mm-hmm. um, with the way that kind of, they just handed the game down the stretch um, But this was a a really impressive performance from Marquette. Sean Jones, terrific. Um, This defense looks outstanding. Uh, Marquette continues to make me look like a dodo bird because this is one of the most fun teams in college basketball. I I really thought that they would take a step back this season, but they look really good. Uh, They now have wins over Illinois, Kansas, UCLA, Texas, and Creighton. And yeah, to me, this is uh, this is one of the best teams uh, in the Big
0: East. Yeah, I thought Marquette getting this win reaffirmed its credibility as a top 10 team in the country. Uh, Now, I had him number two going into the season. I still think there's a chance they could work their way into that conversation. And I still consider him to be a Final Four contender. But getting this win, I thought, was important to that overall push and and building the the story that they're they're working toward over a a five-month period here. Um, If you watch the game, it's undeniable how important Sean Jones was. Uh, He was a spark plug, and he came in and just, uh, to me, he altered the trajectory of this ending. And I think that's a very important development for Marquette because performances like that, when you know how this team is built, and you know how Shaka and that staff like to get... Uh, consistency in the way that they win, but with a little bit of variety in the genre and how they do it on a week by week basis. Having Jones come in and knowing that you can rely on him, that it doesn't have to be Cam Jones, right? It doesn't have to be Tyler Kollek. Igodaro is not. Igodaro is a good player, but he's not. He's just not an every game player. He has not proven to be that to this point. Uh, Marquette also. Tied a Big East record. They have now tw- won 20 straight league games at home. Uh, they will set the new record. And this is not the new Big East. This is the entire Big East history. They will set a new league record if they can beat Butler at home on January 10. Marquette is 1-1 one one in the league, 11-3 overall. Creighton is now 3-4 and four against the top two quadrants. Has lost three of its past four. It will drop out of the AP Top 25 when the polls refresh on Monday. Almost certainly. It's, it, in my opinion, it should. Um, and that's fine. Uh, we'll We'll see. GP brought up the question on our most recent show. Where he said, "Are we sure if Creighton's any good?" Um, he was saying that from a resume perspective, and I think more than a team building perspective. I do think Creighton's good. Yeah. Um, it, it here's my my criticism is this, and I I spoke about this on HQ on Saturday. Baylor Shireman is becoming an every game player. If not, he's he's already there. I mean, he had 23 points, a personal best seven threes in this game. Um, it, Trey Alexander had some some good production, although he like he. Biffed like this breakaway layup that I thought was a, a key transition moment that they didn't get. Um, he also got called for a charge, which in real time I thought was the right call, but on second thought, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's not why they lost the game. My think is this Ryan Kalkbrenner, eight points, three rebounds. Got to be more consistent. Yeah. Yeah, has to Kalkbrenner has to be top five player in the big East. If Creighton is going to one, win the league and have a final four chance. And he just wasn't that today. Uh, Some of it was just him being off. Uh, Some of it was, was the scouting that Marquette did and Marquette does a really, really good job. Um, I actually thought Creighton was able to get some successful parts off the scouting report done KB, but, but Brenner just has to be more consistent, just straight up has to be more consistent than, uh, than he has been. If he's not, that's a major problem for Creighton and it takes him out of that top 20, top 25 conversation.
2: For sure. And I think, go back last year maybe two years ago uh we looked at at Creighton when Kalkbrenner missed some time and it was the splits between when Kalkbrenner played and when he was injured and not playing Mm -hmm. were were wild like Creighton is clearly a better team when Kalkbrenner is playing um but the Kalkbrenner that we saw today is not really the game-changing one that we have come to expect so maybe we have too high expectations but he is a, a real defensive game changer when he is dialed in, when he's locked in just uh, the way that market was kind of able to mitigate his impact on this game. I thought was really impressive. Uh, I still think that Creighton you know, has a really good team. I like Trey Alexander. I uh, really like called i th- I think the core of that team, that is a team that is really built to, to make a run. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Creighton that we saw today, uh not, not very impressive, and I think it's more probably a testament to Marquette just the way that they played, but also uh, came away not not very impressed with what I saw from Creighton.
0: Marquette gets a week off; they're going to play at Seton Hall next weekend. We'll see how they show up for that one. Uh, Creighton doesn't have as long as layoff; they're going to play Tuesday night against Georgetown. And from you know, if you're removed from the program, you look at that and say, okay, well, you know, they should win that. But if you're if you're a fan of it, if you're involved in it, that that now carries like a lot of urgency, like you're going on the road to play Georgetown. Don't slip up and, and, and miss that one. That would uh, certainly be problematic. Let's go to Friday night. Let's talk San Diego State Gonzaga. Aztecs won 84 um, 74. This was only the fourth meeting ever, by the way, between these two teams. And these are two of the five most prominent programs west of the Rockies in the past 20 years. So we don't get this as frequently as I think that we should, uh, but was glad to get it. Um, an interesting game. San Diego State uh, controlled most of it. Um, this was only Gonzaga's, se- KB, this was only the 17th time Gonzaga has lost in the new kennel. <laughs> uh, 272 wins to 17 losses. Um, and it had gone 173 straight games at home without a double digit loss. SDSU put an end to that. Reese Waters had 22. This is his first foul shot of the year. Is that like 98% or something for the year right now? 97% with, with one missed free throw. Jaden Ladee had 20. I mentioned it on the Thursday show. Um, just one of the breakout stars of the season. I, he gets to the foul line. He's a terrific rebounder. He defends, uh, he's averaging what 21 and not 21 points, nine and a half boards came up big again. Um, your thoughts on take it however, however you want, uh, but your thoughts on, uh, on, on Aztecs, Bulldogs, and, and what you saw transpire there, uh, with Gonzaga now being a nine and four team.
2: Yeah, it's jarring to see Gonzaga just look like a regular WCC team. Um, and maybe it should have not been quite as surprising. I mean, this is a team that lost Drew Timmy, they lost Julian Strother, Rasier Bolton. Um, it's got to sting a little bit that Hunter Salas is balling the heck out at Wake Forest. Um, Steel Venters, this, the season-ending injury just before the season, um, was doing some some kind of digging. Zags have actually been one of the best two-point shooting teams the last decade or so. I think you actually wrote a story about this a few years ago. Um, been around top 50 in three-point percentage the last few years. They're outside the top 50 in two-point percentage. Of course, that's helped because no Drew Timmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they rank 240th nationally in three-point shooting percentage. So uh, their offense has not been nearly as lethal. Uh, probably expected uh, when you lose Drew Timmy and, and Julian Schrother and, and some of those guys. But yeah, th- just this, this team has not completely clicked in the way that maybe a lot of people expected it would. And it uh, feels like the WCC is, is, is kind of wide open.
0: Yeah, and they've had other injury issues as well. They don't have depth; that's a problem. Um, quick on the Aztecs, and I want to focus in here on uh, on Gonzaga because they're the more urgent story at the morning, but of the moment. But tell you what, the Tex 11 and two losses at BYU and Grand Canyon. This was a resume game; they got it. Um, it should almost certainly be a quad one. I, I can't see Gonzaga dropping out of the top 75 here. No. The previous best wins for for Brian Dutcher's team were. Over St. Mary's in Washington, and those were both neutral floor wins. So this is this is the best win of the season so far, and it's it's emblematic of the Mountain West. I, I plan on having more on this in the court report later this week. Um, but between SDSU, Colorado State, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah State, you know they all have eleven or more wins right now. That is, I mean, that feels like it's going to be a four bid league at least, and that's a, it's a good development for for the Mountain West. Meantime, WCC. I think it's looking at being a one bid league after this result. It's eleventh right now in overall league strength at Ken Palm. Uh, Gonzaga, at, with a nine and four record, does not have a quad win win, nor a top forty five Ken Palm win. N- might not have a top fifty Ken Palm win after uh, that refreshes overnight. We'll have to wait and see on that. Saint Mary's is nine and six and won't have an. <laughs> it will not have an at large resume unless it peels off a twelve game win streak in the WCC, and then we can maybe start having that conversation. Um, San Francisco is the highest team in the net in the WCC. It's ten and four. It's got three high major wins, but they're against bad teams. Those high major wins are Vandy, DePaul, and Minnesota. That's just not going to get it done. Gonzaga needs to win at Kentucky in February to up its at-large resume. I personally am staunchly against having bubble talk in January, let alone December. February 1, let's start going with it. But I understand sometimes the news cycle and the way the sport is gone. People want to get there early. The bubble fluctuates so much that to even have this conversation now... Um, to me is a bit silly. But with that being said, KB, Gonzaga has a lot of work to do. Um, I think there's a 75% chance the WCC is a one-bid league this season. And the only way that that it's not a one-bid league is if Gonzaga gets a ton of league play, wins at Kentucky, and can turn this around. Mm. The last happened was 2018, was the last time the WCC was a one-bid league. And it's only happened two times in the past 12 seasons where it has finished up is only worthy of one bit in that conference. I got one more for you. Zags right now, 29th at Ken Palm. It went into the game 20th at Ken Palm on Friday night. It hadn't been that low in Ken Palm going into the game, not after going in, in six plus years. Um, it has not been ranked 30th or worse. at Ken Palm since March of 2016. Wow. So yeah, Mark few just might have an okay team this season. Um, they got uh, they got taken uh, at home by San Diego State and uh, and we'll see how he adjusts. You know they're about to have a real adjustment in uh, in game by game play with the WCC, but yeah, I think there's reason for some concern there with that league.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I still think Gonzaga is a tournament team. I believe St. Mary's is a tournament team, although they have just been well, they
0: don't have the record to show. There's no ra- the, the record isn't close to tournament worthy right now. Like they could no. win in the tournament. KB yes but i mean you can't defend the record at this point.
2: No, absolutely. That's what i'm saying. I i believe that they have the talent to be a tournament team but their record is bis- abysmal. I mean they they opened the season 3 and 5. Uh they kind of turned things around a little bit but basically it feels like they would probably need to run the WCC tournament to to get that open. So uh yeah, it's uh it's pretty ugly for the WCC and and it feels like Gonzaga just because they have been such a dominant force has kind of propped up that league for a long time uh, but it's a down year it feels like for Gonzaga down year it feels like for st Mary's you know maybe we get San Francisco making a little run here and and kind of propping this league up but uh, it's kind of ugly all the way around right now
0: it is and um, the thread here with uh with with the two games in the segment is that Creighton's not as good without Ryan Nemhard, and Ryan Nemhard isn't as good without Creighton Maybe mm. that changes moving forward, but uh, sometimes we see a, a transfer situation where both ends uh, get the better of it. Sometimes it's one versus the other, the school, the player here. Um, it's not going so well. We'll see if that can change. We got one more break coming up and then we're going to do a weekend whip around some more bad losses. There is a poll ongoing, by the way, if you're in the YouTube chat and you haven't voted, please do. And we'll give you the updates on that before the show ends. But first, Nada, partners, I think I need a
1: word.
3: Subscribe to Point4, the podcast,
0: so you don't miss a thing. All right, so we, we have had, I wouldn't say a noisy weekend, but a notable one for sure. This was a, I mean, this is okay. We had this mix, uh, this mix mash of league games and then teams finishing up non-con play. To me, the biggest result, the most eye-opening one, it is tied into our poll question. Uh, Notre Dame, 76, Virginia, 54. This is it's got to be something of a draw dropper here. Now it was at Notre Dame, but come on per the esteemed David Teal, who has covered Virginia area hoops for an epoch here. It's the first season since 2010, 11, that Virginia has lost three games by 20 plus points. And guess what? Seasons not even half over yet. Um, This is a Notre Dame team, Kyle, that was without a compass for much of the season. You may have even actually seen after the team's recent loss to the Citadel, Micah Shrewsbury had some choice words. Nada has the video. If you did not see or hear it, uh, check this out, and then we'll continue with the results from this game.
3: First of all, I I apologize to anybody that paid money to come watch that. Watch that effort from that team. This game was over before we even got here. We have no energy to shoot around. We didn't have any energy at practice. That's who this team has been. And then our emotional intelligence is not very good. We don't handle failure well at all. When failure happens, we collapse, right? So that's on me as a coach. I got to find a way for us to be better. It doesn't matter who you play. Everybody can beat you. And we wilted right away. But, that again, that starts with me. I got to change my approach. But if people don't compete, then you're going to see more walk-ons a lot more earlier than this because um, we're building a culture. And that ain't it. That is not the culture we're trying to build. So a message needs to be sent. To some of these guys that, like, if you don't play hard, then you can sit and rot over there on the bench, and I'll I'll find a way. I'll go and talk to the people in compliance, and I will help you transfer because this culture is getting built the right way, and if you ain't a part of it, you're out, and I don't care.
0: That was Micah Shrewsbury, Notre Dame's coach, on December 19th, 11 days ago. They followed it up three days later with just a four-point home win over Marist. And then message I mean message received on on Saturday with a 76-54 whooping of Virginia. Thoughts, Kyle Boone?
2: Hey, you got a contractor uh, at the ready. I mean, I'm ready to <laughs> destroy this wall in front of me. Run through it
0: for Micah yeah, I love I love when coaches are willing to speak truth to results and not sugarcoat it. Well, at the same time, like you're going to hold your players accountable, man. That's, that's who Shrews is. He's highly respected.
2: That was incredible. Uh, you can sit and rot on the bench. I mean, that was not said tongue-in-cheek. He was nope. mad, mad, mad. Uh, very impressive. Notre Dame lost to the Citadel 65-45. That was on December 19th. Went off. Talked about the culture. Uh, I mean, very, very impressive. bounce back. This is a Virginia program. Uh, that is steady as they come. I mean, this under, under what Tony Bennett has has built there, they don't lose very often and they don't lose by large margins very often. So getting their butts handed to Notre Dame, a team that lost by 20 to the Citadel um, 10 days ago, very impressive, uh, obviously not probably projecting big things for Notre Dame this season, but if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're seeing kind of what what the culture is being built there, um, got to be so excited. I mean, Mike Shrewsbury, he is he's the freaking man. And, uh, man, it's it's uh, it's fun to see a coach just raw emotion, just kind of letting it all out. And it's cool to see the team respond, too. So the very cool, very good for for Notre Dame, getting a huge win over Virginia.
0: Took Notre Dame until game six in the ACC last season to get his first win in the final season on Mike Bray. Game two to get to one and one, but that is still a six and seven team. This is damning for Tony Bennett's Virginia squad. Notre Dame started this game on a 13 0 run, and Virginia was stifled the rest of the way. The Who's dropped from 35 to 53 in Ken Palm as a result of this. That's a yikesy, no doubt about it. How about this? Before Saturday's game, Notre Dame was three and 17 all time against Virginia, and it had only beaten Virginia once by five or more points. Once and here a complete domination, uh, according to ESPN stats and information, the 22 point loss here was Virginia's largest conference loss to a sub 500 team since they got dropped by 27 against Clemson in 1965. Gary Parish was two years old when that happened 1965. Wow. So a lot of, uh, a lot of notoriety coming out of that game here. Tony Bennett's a good in season adjuster, even though obviously his system is relatively rigid. Um, he is a good motivator. Uh, would almost certainly never have a presser like Shrewsbury. Although, if he wants to, Tony, bring it on. I will not fault you whatsoever. Uh, get Right game is coming on Wednesday. Virginia will host none other than Louisville before three of the next four are on the road against NC State, Wake Forest, which looks like it's got some ballers, and then Georgia Tech two games after that. Continue the whip around here. Syracuse beats Pitt. GP and I both had Pitt covering here. Ugh, Blake Kinson only 11 points. Uh, Pitt is a pretender at this point yet to log a top 100 win in 2024 arrives in less than 25 hours right now. Uh, Cuse meanwhile, is 10 and three has only one loss since the second day of Maui. We shall see. But I thought that was important win for Syracuse. Pitt has nice pieces. And I think that Pitt can actually be the kind of team where we look up Valentine's day and say, look at Pitt right now, look at Pitt sitting in fourth in the ACC. I think they have enough on the roster to do that. It's a matter if they can pull it all together. We'll see if they can. From a resume perspective, we don't have any evidence of that so far. Your thoughts on the Orange winning 81-73 over the Panthers?
2: Agreed with your thoughts on Pitt. Um, Syracuse, very impressive. They're 10-3 and now in the season under Red Autry. They've won five straight. Uh, they've beat Oregon and Pitt in that span. Uh, really impressed with their guards, Judah, Judah Mintz and, and J.J. Starling, who, of course, was a Notre Dame transfer been very productive. Uh, we'll wait and see kind of how this plays out because as you noted, Pitt has, has underperformed a little bit to this point, but good start to the Red Autry era. Very impressed from Syracuse.
0: All uh, right, keep kidding. Just look at this. I feel like we're cruising on this pod right now, you know? I feel like we're getting results and we're moving along at a good pace here. I kind of think it right now. Let's whip I, it around. So we'll anyone is second screening with us by the way as they watch this uh Cowboys Lions game. Appreciate you. Cowboys up 4 with a minute 45 to go. That's your real-time update for anyone listening on the podcast 16 to 24 to 48 hours later. Michigan State got a nice little push from Indiana State. Eighty-seven, seventy-five. though. Sparty won it going away. They had a uh, they had a 13-2 run over the final few minutes uh, late in the second half from like the uh, six-and-a-half-minute mark until um, about three minutes were remaining. That kind of put them with some separation. I went and checked. Somewhat surprised. By the way, what is that noise? I, I, do you have a fog machine going? Is that you or Nada? What is that? It's not me. It's not you. Nada, is that you? Turn the fog machine off. I mean, Nada's mic is always off. That's not you. What is that? Is anyone else? If you're in the chat, do you hear that or am I losing my mind? I heard it too. I heard it too.
2: Okay. It could be, it could be our, our baby tooting in the other room. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: But I don't think so. <laughs> baby farts. Well, you know what? The podcast could could use a little baby farts, I guess. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. So I looked this up. This was only the second meeting ever between these programs. I didn't bring this up on the show uh, when we were previewing it and, and picking it in the final four and one. But the only other time that Michigan State and Indiana State ever met was the title game. 1979, the most-watched game in the history of college basketball. This feels like a major drop of the ball on both programs' behalf. You're telling me they couldn't have met once in the 1980s ever? But, hey, Michigan State's now 2-0 and all-time against Indiana State. Uh, shouts to Isaiah Swope. He had 26 points in a losing effort. Um, Sycamores need to angle for probably a two loss most at MVC kind of season. If it's going to be in the at-large convo, Um, I saw a lot of chatter on social media about, you don't want to see Indiana state in the tournament. First of all, it's December 30th. That's like setting a record. Can we slow it down with nobody wants to see this? That's not allowed until minimally Valentine's day. Okay. Saw a lot, heard it on the broadcast, Robbie Hummel. I heard you. I'm calling you out. Great analyst. Can we just tap the works? And can we respect Drake? Did we just remove Drake from the tournament conversation? Love the Drake. Don't fade the Drake. Not yet. Um, Credits to Spartans. They were able to rally. Um, and, and so you know what? They had some good balance there. Tyson Walker at 22. Malik Hall. Hey, like to see mm-hmm. that 18. AJ Hogard had a season high 17. Jaden um put up 13. MSU has now won four in a row. There's a lot of you know haziness with the Big Ten again for the second season in a row. We'll see if Michigan State can really get things going again. Uh, elsewhere, let's talk, let's talk Pac-12. We mentioned the WCC might be a one-bid league. Pac-12, is this going to be a three-bid league? All right, here's what happened. Friday night, Colorado beats Washington 73-69. Um, KJ Simpson and Eddie Lampkin Jr. both had double-doubles. There was no Tristan DeSilva in this game for Colorado. No Cody Williams. Two other players were out. So they were very shorthanded. It was a well-earned win for Colorado. It's 10-2, and and it's 1-5 straight. That's the good point. That's the good part for them. I, I'm in on Colorado. I said it on the last show there. Um, plus, when you got like, you know, Luke O'Brien. Uh, Javon Hadley, Julian Hammond, they all added 11. They had really good production and Washington came ready to play. It was a really fun game, but Arizona, Colorado, and then maybe one of Oregon or Utah and Utah is going to play on Sunday here. Oregon was able to beat UCLA on CBS on Saturday. It's a nice win for the Ducks. Uh, UCLA it's it's over the season. I mean, they are permanently out of the at-large conversation. It's UCLA six and seven, six and seven. And even if they start doing damage in the pac 12, what are we talking about? They they haven't had a good win since the season started. They still have not acquired it. Um, It's, it's a real problem. As we do this show right now, there's another team, Uh, USC, and this game will not end before we do the show. So if they rally, they need to rally just to keep themselves above five hundred. But USC's down nine at Oregon State at halftime as we speak right now. So the Pac-12 has not helped itself out in any sort of way here. Um, I think three is the most likely outcome for bids. Mm. I think four will take some luck, and it's the high end. Two would stun me. I mean, it it would really have to back into something pretty ugly for the Pac-12 to only have two bids this season, but I couldn't help but notice with, with all the doings uh, as, as league play is really getting going here. Um, Whereas in football, it was arguably the best conference in its final year, as we know it in men's basketball. It's not quite going the same Um, elsewhere. Two and a half. You taking the over or the under? I would take the over. Give me, give me three bids for the Pac-12. Um, and I would go under three and a half, but I think four is on the table. Five is already gone, yeah. um, but we will, uh, we will see. Friday night, another result. McNeese State 87, Michigan 76 at Michigan. That's one of the four, the, the four bad losses this weekend, or the four, the four worst, I guess. FAU at Florida Gulf Coast, Virginia by 22 at Notre Dame, but then there are two home ones. Florida State lost to Lipscomb by three, and then Michigan got dropped by double digits against McNeese State is eleven and two. Michigan like UCLA six and seven. If it's over for UCLA's at large hopes, it's definitely over for Michigan's. KB.
2: Yeah, and I was I was actually prepared to make a uh, you know this is a a very strong ass win for for McNeese State. Um, it, it's not like Michigan's just not very good. Um, I guess it's a good win because it's you know over a power conference team. But Michigan is just in a tailspin right now. And, M- and McNeese State, credit to them. They're 11 and 2. Uh, they r- ranked number one in turnover percentage. Shahada Wales, uh, 30 points, 10 rebounds, six assists in that win. Michigan, just a total dumpster fire right now. One and two since uh, Juwan Howard returned. Lone win, of course, in that span. The first game when he returned against Eastern Michigan.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh... It's just, it's just it's a problem for Michigan right now and I watched that team play. and I wasn't big on them going into the season I, I didn't think they'd be sub 500 heading into a uh, into the heart of big time play here but um yeah no. two uh two maize and blue teams if you will uh one in Westwood and one in Ann Arbor um I you know Michigan basketball fans might they're they're more locked in <laughs> on their football team getting ready to play a, a pretty sizable game on Monday night but uh, once college football season's over, they're going to look up and they're going to see a, a men's basketball program that is uh, that is in some disarray right now. Um, undefeated watch. Only three left. Ole Miss will try and continue its run on Sunday against Bryant. But we did get two teams on Saturday that were able to extend it. Houston easily beat Penn uh, to remain undefeated. And then JMU still undefeated, beat Texas State to move to 13 and 0 Um I'm going to give you the floor here for a quick second. James Madison continues to be ranked in the AP top 25 as it should. Uh, Any thoughts on, on what the Dukes have been able to do uh, so far on the hardwood this season after obviously having a really, really good college football season.
2: Uh, Not really. Um, I'm impressed with the way that they have started the season, obviously 13 and Oh, I'm impressed with their roster building. And I think it's possibly predictive of how um, mid major teams are going to build in the future. Six of their top nine scorers, uh, started their career elsewhere. Um, the other three are are upperclassmen, um, guys who have developed at James Madison, kind of been in the program. So um, I think Bill Self a few years ago talked a little bit about how um, the future of, of college basketball is is about, you know, kind of being old and, and trying to stay old. And I think a lot of coaches have kind of echoed that same sentiment. Um, this team is very experienced. Uh, they've got a lot of experience at different programs and they're coming together. Um, I don't know exactly how good James Madison is going to be this season, but they're one of only two undefeated teams. And, uh, it's very impressive what they have been able to do so far.
0: One thing to keep in mind with JMU, in addition to obviously the undefeated season that they've got going, uh, they're scoring more points than anyone per game. And they're putting up more than 90 a night. And that is a really, really good sign. And it's hard to see how that will drop below say 85 when you consider the league that they're going into uh, part of the Sunbelt this season, Sunbelt is a middle of the road league, not going to help them from a resume perspective, but if they are able to continue to pile up wins, I'm going to back what I said on a recent episode, that team should be ranked very, very, very high. Um, with even one loss, let alone, uh, let alone zero. A couple other results from Saturday to get to here. Rutgers almost lost to Stonehill. Uh, St. John's escaped Hofstra. Uh, credit to Patino and his staff. That was the first time they had scheduled a game between those two Long Island-based universities in 14 years. And then, as previously mentioned, Florida State losing to the Lipscomb Bisons. Yes, that is plural. Bisons of Lipscomb in there to drop to 6-6. Six and six. The poll question on this episode was, the worst loss of the weekend was? And here are your results as of now. FAU running away with it? 69%. They lost close. Virginia's second place. I think the Virginia loss is worse. Dunk City's a worse team, but Notre Dame's not good. And Virginia, at least like if you watched FAU play, if you watched both the games, Virginia was definitely the worst loss. FSU, uh, by the way, those are both on the road. The teams that lost at home FSU was 7%, Michigan 7%. You can make a case, I think, for any of those. Although Florida State fans, if you think Michigan fans weren't dialed in in the McNeese State game, I got news for you. Florida State fans could not care less at the moment about what the basketball team did after the football team. That's a tough scene. (laughs) That was a tough scene. It was interesting to see a lot of understandable and and correct commentary about, because we get this in basketball almost on an annual basis where it's like, If a team does get in or doesn't get in, whatever they do in that first four game, or if they're in, you know, they get in, they dodge the first four and they, they get absolutely rolled or if they miss it and then they win or lose the NIT, what they do after selection Sunday is not a comment. Doesn't have, it shouldn't have any sort of impact on whether they deserve to, or to not be in. So a lot of that with FSU, unlike the basketball stuff, half the damn FSU team didn't even play. Yeah. Yeah. 63 to three, 63 to three. Unbelievable. Let me bring up something here real quick. So Florida state's football team out of 63 points. Has it held an opponent? Let's see here. Yes. Oh no. Hold on. Have they they held an opponent under 63 so far this season? We got 67, 67, 89, 75, 71, 68, 78, 88, 68, 75, 61 to Winthrop a week ago. So only one time this season has Florida State's men's basketball team held its opponent to fewer points than the football team put up on Georgia. Unreal. Over, under... Someone find me after the season. I will definitely forget about this. I'm going to say over, under, Florida State men's basketball holds opponents under 63 points. Over, it's happened once. I'm going to say over, under... 3.5 3.5 times over yeah. under 3.5 times. FSU holds an opponent under 63 in men's basketball. You taking the over the under they've done it once. They need to do it three times. Three more times at the over. I think I'll take the over. You ride with me. I'm not. I'm going to ride. I'm going under. I'll say it happens three times. What are you a Georgia fan? No, out of here. I'm, so, I'm just going listen, man, check this schedule. <laughs> They're not keeping Kennesaw state, central Michigan, North Florida, South Florida. None of them. You sound like a Georgia fan. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me. Um, let's look at just some games to know for Tuesday. Uh, Sunday's got a couple of Pac-12 affairs. Again, you get your little pot action done. Get ready for your New Year's Eve preparations, and then obviously Monday's all about the CFP semifinals. So we'll pick those games in just a minute here. Tuesday games to know: uh, North Carolina plays at Pitt. That's a spicy one. Okay, Pitt. Let's see, what, let's see what you can do in that kind of spot here. Butler at St. John's is your sneaky good game of the night. Um, Rick Pitino said after his team dodged the loss at Hofstra, apparently he's going to schedule UConn at Carneseca next year. Don't really know why this came up, but it made a headline in the New York Post. <laughs> so, so there you have it. Uh, long before we get to that day, we've got Butler at St. John's on Tuesday. Uh, Purdue plays at Maryland. Purdue, by the way, beat Eastern Kentucky on Friday, 80-53. to 53. That was its 35th straight non-conference regular season victory. Cue the FDU. That wasn't in the regular season. Um, according to Purdue, it's the ninth longest streak in NCAA history in the non-con regular season and the second longest streak in Big Ten history. It's the third team in the last 50 years. Syracuse did it from 2010 to 2012, and Duke did it from 92 to 94, according to Purdue, to record three straight unbeaten non-conference regular seasons. This was also Matt Painter's 450th win. Congrats to Purdue. Most people won't care until we get to March. However, this podcast cares, and we're going to give you plenty of credit. Purdue will play at Maryland on Tuesday. Maryland, um, playing better as of late, and here's a wonderful opportunity to see if they can get it done. Elsewhere on Tuesday, KB, New Mexico at Colorado State. Awesome, awesome Mountain West game there to dial into. Northwestern plays at Illinois. Uh, Quick update on Illinois. Josh Whitman, the athletic director, did hold a press conference prior to Illinois' win Friday night against Fairleigh Dickinson. He laid out a bit more of the timeline, added some information, uh, I guess as much as he was willing, wanting, or able to. And he did say... Uh, there was a chance that we would actually have resolution on the status of Terrence Shannon Jr.'s suspension before the legal process would play out. Um, we'll have to see on on all of that. But uh, but yes, apparently the incident that we opened the show with the other night happened, um, according to Whitman, it happened uh, in public uh, at a bar and, where the, uh, the allegation uh, took place there. We'll have to wait and see on that. No Terrence Shannon Jr. for the short term. A couple more. Syracuse plays at Duke on Tuesday night. Syracuse gets a nice home win. Duke got Tyrese Proctor back uh, on Saturday. I think he played 19 minutes. They had an easy easy home win against Queens College. Um, we'll wait and see on that. And then the new building's opening up in just a couple of days. Baylor's going to open brand new digs. Can't wait to see what this thing looks like on, on TV, although it's a bigger moment. We'll be against a more high-profile opponent. Um, Cornell's coming in. Uh, Cornell is 10-2, by the way. Uh, good little Ivy League team there. Ivy's got some Ivy's got some teams. Yale, Princeton, Cornell. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that. But that is uh, that is your Tuesday slate. We are not scheduled to do another live episode until Wednesday morning. Um to be determined if I can scoot in something in the feed that's a little bit of a end-of-year present for you or not. Um we're almost done here, KB.
2: Hmm.
0: New Year's Eve, though. You got any plans? <clears throat>
2: I'm going to try to sleep. That's my goal.
0: That's actually a good call. What do you yeah, you're you not going anywhere.
2: No. no, no.
0: Yeah. Last time you went out and socialized on New Year's Eve, maybe it was last year for all I know, but how long has it been?
2: Um, Shoot. It had to be probably like 2019, maybe
0: 2018. That's been a minute.
2: 19. Yeah. Because our daughter was born in 2020. So, yeah. Yeah! Wow. You,
0: you got a best or worst New Year's Eve memory that you care to share, <laughs> For the public to know? Anything notable over the years? Um, like break into Oklahoma State's football complex or something? No. Twelve years ago. Really not
2: that wild. Uh, I I did go downtown Tulsa, probably like ten years ago now, um, and we stayed the night at a hotel. Oh, and like, I can't handle this. There's like a taxi takes you around all the bars. Some guy jumps in the bus, just barfs all over my uh my cowboy boots ah. um, so I remember that that was a, that was a memorable moment um yeah i don't I'm not much of a troublemaker um i I actually enjoy staying in so would be, be fun yeah
0: yeah it's been a minute i we haven't gone out on new year's in uh in a few here I don't think we. Are you going to go curling on New Year's Eve? I did go curling. Yeah? You saw that. I did go curling yeah. on Friday. How was that? It was a good time. Uh, my, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law got uh, bought me and my wife um, a night out curling here in Connecticut. You know what? That's legit. I had a fun time. That's so random. Do you like it, it is random, but there's like, you know, about, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes from where I live, there's, they've got. Uh, they've got a curling club. They had a fest. I wanted to take a picture of it and I forgot to, they had a Festivus pole in this place. So they, you know, it, it's uh, it's definitely a community and culture unto itself. Um, and they do these things, I guess, weekly where, you know, you get a bunch of people that have never done this and either they want to do it or someone's bought, bought them, uh, you know, an, an hour and a half to learn how to curl and, and play one, uh, play one match, if you will. And, you know, I gave it a go. It's, uh, it was fun. I would, I would do it again. Um, we, uh, we got matched up with um, with four ten year olds, <laughs> and uh, it came out with a one one tie. Although I will say, one of the ten year olds see when you do the sweeping, you do the sweeping right, and mm-hmm. allegedly I, I learned all sorts of stuff. Here. First of all, the guy telling me like why you sweep and because it, it, it theoretically creates some hydroplaning, but he told me there's actually no science to prove that it actually works. Everyone just does it in curling, which blew my mind. I'm like, wait a second, this isn't a basin <laughs> real like proven data and science is like no but you're not allowed to touch the stone otherwise it's it's a burnt stone I'm telling you one of those 10 year olds they touched the stone on the shot that gave them the win to tie the match at one one. I let it I let it slide although you know I showed I was I was excited to just give this a go and uh and everyone had a had a someone who is a member of the curling club and also like, you know, works for it and can be a teacher or whatever. So we had one guy and then there's the other guy that was teaching the, the 10 year olds. And, uh, we, we match up after we practice, we do all this. And, uh, and I just go, yeah, Hey man, you're going down. Let's go. You're going down. And he goes, yeah, we'll see about that. And I was like, it's just a joke, man. <laughs> I, was, I was just kidding. He was not messing around. I was kidding around. He was not messing around. Um, in fact, at one point, so you switch up between letting the stone go, yep. or like in some, or you got to do the you got to do the sweeping. Mm-hmm. And if you call the pe- the person that yells, I forget what it's called now. I was born to do this, man. I was just I was into it. I was like Will Ferrell. I drive a Dodge Stratus level intense in that moment, and uh, and the guy who I was joking with saying we were going to go down, he comes he comes up to one of my teammates at one point. He goes, "Stop sweeping." You're not allowed to sweep anymore. Oh, my gosh. Who knew? Meanwhile, like the, the group that's like two rows over, they're having a blast. <laughs> it's, it's chuckles and laughs. Oh, high fives. I was like, well, we got stuck with this guy. But, he, but it was wonderful. I had a, I had a wonderful time. I deserve the rubber match but we didn't get it done. But anyway, yes, did a little curling on Friday. If you've never done it and you've got something in your area, I would say it's, it's a wonderful thing to go out and try and do with friends. It was a nice little, uh, end of year Friday, Friday bonus there. So, uh, so yeah, that was that. I'm not going out on a new year's Eve. I, in fact, a sign that we're getting old here. Yeah. I don't think I know one person that is holding a new year's Eve party. Normally we had two, we knew two people, two couples, um, that uh, were in different social circles and knew from different walks of life, and they would always do the New Year's Eve party. But they haven't each of them like stopped doing it. I think with the pandemic and for whatever reason, like they're also kids are getting a little older, I guess. So I'm yeah. yeah, just gonna be chilling, chilling at home on Sunday night. Nice. Night. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, same, same. Uh, we need to add, by the way, why wouldn't you do that timestamp? Um, the stop sweeping. I
0: don't know about that. That one. He, makes was, he, was, he was, he was, he was coming at it hot, though. I'll just say that.
2: That's intense.
0: Yeah, it was intense. By the way, Nada's back. Nada went to London.
2: Welcome back, Nada.
0: Yeah. How was London, Nada? Give me a highlight. it was great. It it was great. Um, Highlight going to Craven Cottage and watching Fulham play a game.
2: Watching Anthony Robinson do do his thing. That was pretty cool.
0: Um, That and getting lost in the tube for a couple
1: of days and just getting lost in london was fairly awesome
0: what's the what's the one word uh in british english that they use over there that you either you knew about it beforehand or you learned it over there and you think it is superior to whatever term or or word we use it for it over here in the states i can't you
2: limit me to one word they're at least like 10 or 11 and it takes too long give give me two
0: Oh, is Lou better than bathroom? Is Lou? I, I think absolutely. Absolutely, think better. I don't know. Lou that's sounds a little, a little too frisky for me. I, I think bathroom's good. Lou, Lou, and then also, I'm not gonna lie. Um, the two, again, the subway being called the tube. The tube is good. That's that's the that's the superior. That's the best one. About. That that might be the best one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What about? Uh, isn't the elevator called the lift? What do they call it? Is that what this?
2: The escalator is called the lift.
0: The escalator is the lift. Okay. Tell you what, they, they had the better pronunciation for advertisement. Advertisement is so much better. That's solid. Yeah. Advertisement is just so much better. So, but, but, uh, and then, and, and Glossier, right? Glossier, not later. Glossier. Glossier. Yeah. They got a few things on us. Well, welcome back. Yep. We didn't indicate to the audience, but yeah, Nada was uh, out for the past week or so. Uh, appreciation to Josh for stepping in and pinch hitting. Before we get out of here, how about a, how about a, College hoops resolution—something we'd like to see in the new year. I got one. KB, you got one? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. Hopefully, I'm not going to take yours. I'll
2: go first. Yeah, if you uh, take nine, then uh, so be it. Good, good. Um, I don't have a actual resolution, but okay, that was the conceit of the
0: setup. But okay, sounds okay.
2: good. I have a resolution. I don't have a way to solve my resolution. <laughs> I would like fewer late game reviews. Um, oh, that's a good one. The old man and me. That's a great one. way too much college basketball games where I can watch two 40-minute halves go by. And it's mostly breezy. And then the last two minutes feels like, oh my gosh, another review. Oh my gosh, another review. Uh, so old man yells at Cloud. Um, I don't have an answer on how to fix it, but that would be my request for college basketball.
0: My resolution, these are things I would like college basketball to resolve to do, to fix the change, to be better in the new year. I would like the powers that be to resolve in the year 2024 to stay at a 68 team NCAA tournament. I think there's a chance that we will get one way or the other. We will get an update on this, whether they decide to expand or not to expand. There will be news that emanates. I don't know for sure if it will happen in 2024. It will happen in my opinion, no later than 2025, um, but I would like it for it to come out as soon as possible in 2024 that they're going to stay at 68 as they continue to mull over the uh, the pros and cons. And to me, it's mostly cons. We will uh, we will see on that. Also, the podcast will resolve for two things in the new year. We will have new podcast artwork. Uh, the one that is on your phone has been <laughs> was put there as a temporary one. I don't know. Four years ago. So we're going to get something a little bit snazzier that's coming. And we will have a new, as long-time listeners are aware of, the podcast intro is like Doctor Who. It is regenerated every couple of years. Ever since I started this podcast in... Well, geez, I technically started this podcast pre-CBS. But ever since it's brought, been brought over to CBS, the podcast intro has changed every one and a half to three years. Um, the song has been picked out, and it will be debuting at some point in January... Lord willing sooner than later, I hope, but, uh, that is coming. Is it a jingle? Is it a jingle or is it? I would not, a- say, it, I would not say it is a jingle. Okay. Um, I would say it might be for lovers though. I might say that. Oh, my. I might, I might, I might just say that. Um, last one, let's pick these CFP semifinals and then we can, uh, we can get out of here. So Monday, mm. five thirty 30 Eastern. I, I didn't prep it and. uh, Uh, Vince Young Stadium. Why not? In the Vince Young Bowl. Alabama versus Michigan. Four seed Alabama, one seed Michigan. I don't have the line in front of me. We're picking these straight up. Michigan minus one and a half. You got the lines. Yes. Um, Okay.
2: uh, Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to take Alabama straight up. They're going to win by 12 over Michigan. Give us a score if you're going to say 12. Oh, um, yeah. let's go. It's gonna be thirty to eighteen Alabama wins.
0: Thirty yeah. to eighteen. All right. I will go. I think pretty objectively Michigan's been the better team this season, right? Um Yes. What's the funniest outcome? <laughs> is the funniest outcome like Bama twenty-eight to seven? No, the funniest outcome is is uh probably
2: michigan getting georgia just like 63-3 You're probably right alabama
0: runs it oh up. i will say this and i i truly do not care who wins i have such alabama success fatigue <laughs> that michigan winning just it's more variety and michigan's been good as play, but you know what i'm saying um you've got bama i'll take michigan give me michigan 24 21 game okay. two approximately eight forty-five eastern uh uh from the uh from the Joe Burrow Superdome after what LSU did there a few years back. I'll give give him the... uh, That's where the game is, right? Yeah, it's in New Orleans. That's right. What's the line? Texas minus four. Okay, who you got?
2: Give me Washington. Underdog. I'm going to ride with the Huskies.
0: I like what I've seen from from Michael Penix.
2: He's nice. I like (laughs) him a lot. I like him.
0: By the way, if you're looking for real, actual analysis... Um, Tom Fornelli, Chip Patterson, Bud Elliott, Danny Cannell, the Cover 3 crew, please go find the podcast. They'll have it covered wall-to-wall. They've got more than enough college football coverage for you. If you have not already found those fine gents, please go find the Cover 3 podcast. I have no idea if they ever plug and push uh, Ion College Basketball, but I know I give them love a couple times a year. They don't. Chip uh, Chip occasionally comes on the pod, and that's more than enough for me. right. I'm going to be with you here. Yeah. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Washington. I've watched them play a few times this season. I very much enjoy the way they play. I love their wide receivers. And Penix is by no means a perfect quarterback, but good Lord, yeah, he is good for a couple throws every single game. <laughs> like, my, my God. Have you watched Odunze? Yes. Oh my gosh, he is. He's incredible. He is incredible. He's so much fun to watch. Nominal player. Love yeah. watching So I will take... I'll take Washington to cover. I'll take them to win. I'll say Washington. Uh give me Washington 38-31. Oh, shootout. Okay.
2: Uh, I'll go Washington 35, Texas thirty
0: five, Texas 30. Yeah. All right, there we go. Well it's a fun it's a fun uh it's a fun one too. Uh college football playoff is the, going into it each year, there's always plenty of excitement. This feels like before we go to 12 teams, this feels like a top three semifinal duo that we've had since they started doing this thing. So, and, um, yeah, that'll be Monday night. So you get a little Sunday, New Year's Eve, rest and recover Monday, January one, get those resolutions in. All right. I think everyone, should, listeners, you should resolve to rate, subscribe five stars only. Okay. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please do that. If you could, we appreciate everything you've done to help us out this year and GP and I will definitely be back no later than Wednesday morning and if anything warrants an episode before then, hey, fun little surprise KB, thanks for hopping on and joining me, bud I appreciate it.
2: Glad to join you Happy New Year's, everyone.
0: Happy New Year Thank you for helping make 2023 the biggest year yet for the Ion College Basketball podcast. Please stay safe. Enjoy your Sunday on this final day of 2023 and we will almost certainly talk to you in 2024. Until then Bye! Happy New Year!